to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Bright lights, it's Angela. Welcome to Architecting. I'm really excited for you to hear today's episode. So you've probably heard me talking up a workshop that I was doing, and that happened yesterday on June 5th. We spent two hours doing meditation, exercises, learning about how our brains work, learning about how to leverage our time and resources, getting aligned with who we really are, not who we think we have to be, because so, so often we show up in the world the way that we think others expect to see us, because we want to make other people happy. We want to belong, and we believe that we have to earn that and work really, really hard, and we spent a lot of time yesterday. It was amazing. I could see the transformation happening while we were on the call, the aha moments, and there was just this great, great shift. So I wanted you to hear a little bit of that shift for yourself because what I'm doing is if you register for the workshop, even though it is already passed, you can get access to the replay. I would love for you to hear all of it. It is available for a limited time only. Listen in to this excerpt. If you like what you're hearing, you can click a link and hear the whole replay. And I think you're really, really going to enjoy what you hear. So let's take a listen. Which really hard for us type A people who want to control everything be centered and use all of our senses to act in our highest self level in more of the time than not. It's never going to be 100%, but more of the time than not. What I want you to kind of think about if you're feeling a lot of overwhelm is we want to shift our thinking from being additive to being subtractive. And we need perspective for that. So it's the difference between painting, right? Where you're adding, adding, adding to the canvas and you redo, you paint over versus sculpting where you have to think a little bit more and judiciously take things away to produce the art. That's hard to do when you've taken on a lot of responsibilities. But The important thing to realize is success is not about doing more. It's about choosing the things that matter and doing them better and being heart led, not being led by other people's expectations and people pleasing because that's bad math. So you want to really 
try to step away from the duties and responsibilities that don't serve you as much as you can and to make more time to think, read, love, pray, the work that you really need to do to re-engineer you. Dr. Sandra Delton-Smith is a motivational speaker and author and internal medicine doctor who has written a book called Sacred Rest. And she actually identifies seven forms of rest. A lot of us think about, oh, I'll take a nap or I'll get a good night's sleep and that's going to be good. Sometimes, yes, but not always. Sometimes we need creative rest, which means we're going to a museum or we're seeing a good movie or reading a good book. Sometimes we need the kind of rest that is spiritual. Sometimes we need the kind of rest that is physical. You know, when we move, we process emotions. So meditation, like we just did, is one thing to do, but movement is another. When we just sit at a desk and we just live life from the neck up, it's harder to get that stress response out of our bodies because our mind gets caught in a loop. And, you know, we're all busy working so hard. But the thing is that we tend to be in this loop and not realize that we think 60 to 70,000 thoughts in a day, but 95% of them are recycled. So it's just this chatter in your head. And that's why as part of the meditation at the end, it was form a complete sentence. Because if you really pay attention to your thoughts, they're just a bunch of words and phrases more than they are a complete thought. And when you complete the thought, you can add the verb to it, right? And you can consciously say, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? How do I want to direct my day? Because you do have control. When you get out of bed in the morning, before you look at your phone, before you go to the bathroom, before you wake anybody up because it's time to get moving, choose how you want to direct your day. I want to have my day flow with grace and ease. I want to have a day that's high energy. When you choose that, that's how you then tell your brain to function. In our subconscious, those 60 to 70,000 thoughts are running. And there's billions of sensory inputs that we're getting. We're not consciously aware of most of them. So how our brain works is based on what we tell it to look for. It filters the information. And that's why if you talk about a red car, you start noticing red cars everywhere, right? And it's not that there's more red cars suddenly in the world, just you told your brain to look for red cars. So it does. And before it wasn't looking for that. When you direct your day in the morning, you're telling your brain to look for certain things and to focus on different patterns. Because a lot of mistakes that people make when they say, I want to calm down, I want to do less, I want to get out of overwhelm. They think that that happens just by turning off certain things. 
But if you don't replace those things with what you want, your brain goes back to the old pattern that it knows, or your brain gets triggered by the events of your day to activate those patterns. So you have to replace them by directing your day. We're going to do a little exercise now um, called an energy inventory. Think about how you spend your day. And if you feel like you're spending your time in the right places, what percentage of your day is spent on care of others? What percentage of your day is spent in, you know, basic, I call them the compulsories of life, right? You got to wash the dishes, you got to clean your bathroom, whatever, you know, what percentage of your day is spent exercising or with friends or doing meaningful work that you really enjoy or spending time with your loved ones. That's quality time, not the take your shoes off, (laughs) clean your room. That's not quality time. If you were to assign percentages to the different ways you spend time, how do you feel about those ratios? And you can leave comments in the chat. Let me know what what it is you're noticing in terms of how your day is being spent. What I notice when I do this is that I have more time than I think I do when I stop spending time doing things that are not a good use of my time. Again, what's a good use of your time? You know, taking a nap, maybe the highest and best use of your time in a moment, if that's what you need. And it will actually mean that that hour you stopped doing anything and maybe laid in the hammock and drank lemonade and read a good book now means that you are able to get more done in the next two hours than if you had slogged through the afternoon. Definitely, you know, think about what you're doing, choose based on how you're feeling in the moment, but also choose based on asking yourself if you really need to do that thing, or you could delegate it to someone else or skip it entirely, or walk away from ownership of it. Could you reassign it to someone? So yeah, work is the biggest percentage followed by chores and kids. Facebook is a time sink. Yes. (laughs) And and I think it's interesting, Emily, because you said last is enjoyable activities. And shouldn't that be first? Shouldn't we find a way? I mean, I get it. You know, we're not having a party all day, every day. But what if you felt that same joy, that same peace, that same contentment more often so that you could take that into some of these other things and start to feel better, feel different? And that is critical that we get out of this stress response because Long-term, stress impacts our immune system. It creates inflammation in the body, and inflammation is the root cause of diabetes, cancer, heart disease, mental illness. We don't want to go down the chronic stress path. We also don't want to let traumas that we have keep us in a constant stress response. And traumas can be big T traumas like 
I survived a hurricane or I survived abuse, but traumas can also be little traumas. Like I was bullied on the playground as a child. And as a result, I don't ever feel like I fit in. So I work too hard to make people like me because I never feel like I'm worth it. When we're more conscious about what we're doing and our motivations behind it, we can start to make better choices that feel good in our bodies because your body is your first cue. That's why we did the embodiment meditation at the beginning. When it feels good in your body, when your body is sending you the signal of, ah, yes, this is, this is good. This is what I need you know you're on the right track. If you're feeling tension, if you're feeling stuckness, if you're lacking clarity in your thinking or like you can't breathe, you need to reevaluate what's going on in that situation. Because self-care isn't selfish. It's the most important thing you do. And I know you all have probably heard the metaphor of the airplane and why you have to put your own mask on first. But a better way to think about this is if your energy is like a pitcher and you're pouring glasses out for everybody, what's in that pitcher? What's the quality of the energy in that pitcher? Because it's not just that you're pouring your energy out, but if it's crappy, toxic energy, and we see it with our kids, with our coworkers, when we're impatient or we're blaming or we're just angry and pissy, right? You know, it, it comes back out. When we take care of ourselves, what's in our picture to pour out for others is better quality stuff that it's, it's really important about to do that and reframe our perspective because we can only be creative when we're restored, when we're in tune with that highest self. That's when we are amazing at doing our job. That's when our coworkers love us. That's when we're mentoring the younger staff and handling the difficult clients and we're unflappable and we're building rapport with them. And we're having meaningful involvement in professional organizations and great personal relationships because we're restored instead of when we're in that highly emotional triggered stress response. Look at where you're feeling the discomfort. Find out why. Don't numb it out, you know, because when we numb it out, not only do we feel it physically in our bodies, but we block out joy because when you're numb, you don't feel anything. So yeah, you may not feel the bad stuff, but you're missing out on the good stuff too. And the good stuff is the portal to that best self, that highest self that can access all the good stuff. Don't resist, be an allowance, let go of the perfectionism and the pushing that we all feel we have to do, right? We're like, the only way I'm going to do this is to just slug on through and instead be more open. Think about how else could I do this? Who else could do this? Could I ask for help in doing this and really try to break those old patterns? Now I want you to think about what I call the not to do list. So if we said, what does success look like for you 
because it looks different for everyone. And the biggest mistake we make is checking boxes on someone else's checklist, getting ourselves entangled in meeting other people's expectations and thinking that if if they're happy, we're happy and we're going to be successful. And that's faulty thinking. You have to start with saying, what does success look like for you? What, what do you not do if you are living that true version of your success? If you want to share, feel free to share. What we really want to do is letting go of all those expectations that we're hooked into. What success looks like for us, whatever that is, should feel fun, should feel joyful, should feel light. If we're not feeling that way about achieving something, then maybe we should reevaluate why we think we need to get it. You know, think about what are you willing to let go of? What will you graduate from? Where can you relinquish the control? It's hard, right? Nobody's going to do it the way you would do it. And if they're new to the task, they're probably not going to do it as well as you would do it. But by empowering somebody through delegating, you can not only lessen your workload by letting go of the need for it to be perfect, but you may find even if the person doesn't get it right, the direction they go may be something better than the way you were perceiving the problem. And just by letting them take it, two or three steps along, you have fresher thinking to solve the problem better. So there there is a lot of value in letting go of the control. All right. So we are about halfway through and we talked about how to be stressless. That was our main focus for the first portion. And now we're going to focus on the success part. Success is an inside job, but in our culture, we end up making it about external validation. And this was my last podcast episode was all about that. Someone in an audience had asked a question, can you have high confidence and low self-esteem? And the answer is absolutely. Most people actually do because confidence is external, right? If I am good at doing something, I get validation. And so I know that I know, and other people are confirming that I know, that I'm proficient, that I have the aptitude or the talent or the skill set. But confidence and self-esteem are an inside job, and they're not tied to what we accomplish they're tied to our sense of self-worth. A lot of us grew up because we were people pleasers, because we're taught to be that way, to believe we have to earn everything. And that just being ourselves, just being present isn't enough. We work too hard to make people like us. And we in a lot of ways, are bribing them with ways we can serve them, right? So it's like, what do you need? Oh, you would like me to stay late tonight at work. 
okay, now you'll think I'm a valuable employee. And if you've spent any time in the workforce, you know it doesn't work that way. Hard work does not always get rewarded. Loyalty does not always get rewarded. And it feels really unfair if you're the one who's been over-serving and over-performing and saying, where's my payoff for that? The reason that happens is going back to this whole energy, right? When you're in joy, and you're magnetic, and you are really enjoying what you're doing, people want to work with you. People see your potential. They don't look so much at what you're good at and not good at, or what you've accomplished or didn't accomplish. They're drawn to how you make them feel. When you're always working, working, working with the blinders on in the rut, They value you. They know they can rely on you, but they're not excited by you. They don't necessarily see the potential in you. That's a self-esteem thing, not a confidence thing. And that's often why people don't get further ahead in their professions is because of the low self-esteem. They're trying too hard to earn things rather than being really clear about what they truly want and asking for it, doing heart-led things. Now, does that mean you're never going to have to do something like redline specs if you don't like redlining specs, or you're never going to have to work overtime? Well, no, of course not, right? That's part of life. But the attitude you have towards doing things is different when you do more things that are heart-led and less things that are the compulsories. Because when we get stuck in the compulsories, it's kind of this downer energy, right? You just feel more pessimistic in general. You kind of have this sarcasm and dry wit and sort of wryness about what you do, but it's self-deprecating or it's critical of others because you're not lit up by what you're doing. You're not growing. You're not evolving. You're not doing exciting new things that are pushing at your edges of your comfort zone. So we really want to focus on success as being that inside job. You've been slogging long enough and being stoic. Way too many of us are super, super stoic. And we live in this suck it up achievement oriented world where we suppress our desires and we tell ourselves it doesn't matter if we don't get what we want. One of my favorite questions when I am doing private coaching with people is to ask right off the bat, why didn't you go into architecture, graphic design or whatever it is they're doing? And sometimes they can't answer the question because they've been working so long that they've lost touch with what was so exciting and so meaningful. And those opportunities have slipped away. They've stopped thinking that it's possible. In fact, they're almost embarrassed to admit some of their lofty dreams because they feel foolish or silly or like something a little kid would say, but they're really not. 
those are the things that are the most important for you to be doing. Those should be your non-negotiables, not the first thing that's on the chopping block. Being really, really in touch is important. We're going to do some work now on aligning with what's true for you. We want to shift from how we want to feel, and we've been talking about this for a while here, the emotional connection versus what you want to do or have done or currently do. When you think about your life and your career, how do you want it to make you feel? So not so much what your answer is today, but how do you want to feel about those things? So I'll give you all a chance to kind of write some notes about that, think through it, and just kind of write stream of consciousness. Don't over edit it. Try to really get in touch with how you would want to feel when you get out of bed and think about going to work. What would you love that emotion to be? I hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from the Stressless Success Vacation Life Workshop. And you got a little taste of some of the work that we were doing, some of the exercise, some of the introspection, and the way that those who were there were integrating along with my teaching and really starting to think about the shifts they could start to make in their own life. If you'd love to hear the whole thing, go to the link in the show notes and sign up for the workshop. I will have this replay up for a limited time and you'll have a chance to get the link to listen to that if you sign up for the workshop. So again, you will get that replay as long as you sign up, let's say by this Friday. Get yourself in there, listen to the whole two hours of the workshop, and then send me a note, Angela at architectingpodcast.com, or DM me at architectingpodcast on Instagram, or on the architecting page is on Facebook or LinkedIn, and tell me about your transformation, because I know that if you listen to this, you will get one. So take care, everyone. I love you all, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired.